How many years have you been telling people they need a budget, and now they're maybe maybe starting to figure out within the last month or so? <laughs> Just a couple, <laughs> about about thirty, I think. Yeah. Oh, our our brand has been validated, and so has yours, right? Oh my gosh, you know, so many people are start, starting to ask, like, what is essential in my life? And it's like, well, I've been trying to tell you for the last twelve years. Yeah, for uh, real. But, you know, maybe sometimes it takes a, a sort of car crash of sorts, either literally or, or figuratively, before we start to question everything. And now I think people are finally starting to question. I've had so many people in our own audience ask us about this pandemic, and now they're starting to, to consider budgeting for the first time, as though, uh, as though they shouldn't have been before. Would you say that your advice differs now more than, uh, differs now than, than from what it was two months ago? You know, that's the wonderful thing about what we've done for the same thing for 30 years. It, it's stuff that works when times are good and when times are bad. Our advice is um, essentially exactly the same. Uh, uh, we have always said, you know, giving you the baby steps to work and be on a written plan and stay out of debt and save money for emergencies. We've always said that. Now, in the midst of this, you wouldn't work our baby steps plan if you are in the middle of a crisis. But if you had called me two years ago and you're in the middle of a crisis, I'm not telling you to work baby steps plan and we're going to get out of the crisis first. Right. Right. And so you, you, you stop paying extra on your debt. You stop paying, uh, setting money aside for retirement, for goodness sakes, if you're worried about eating. And so you stop everything and pile up cash and get through the hurricane. And then you go back after the storm blows by and, and, and start your, you know, your more normalized financial planning process again. You know, a lot of people that we've talked to about the Every Dollar app is it. They've they found immense value in that. I mean, it's it's not appreciably different from having your own envelope system. You're just doing it online. You're syncing it with, with your bank, and 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 now people are are beginning to realize like if I actually question the money that that I'm bringing in, the money that's going out, it's going to be able to go a lot farther. Well, when better than in the middle of, of a literal pandemic that we want to be able to use our resources deliberately, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, what we've done here at Ramsey, I've got a thousand team members here. And from a leadership perspective in business, what we did immediately was in order to preserve those jobs and pay those people, the first thing we did was what? Conserve cash. And so we cut out any uh, any miscellaneous spending or delayed it and said, we're not doing that project this month. We're not doing that this month. We're not doing that this month. We're going to stop everything because it's more, what's the most important thing inside this building? Well, right now it would be preserve the jobs, right? And keep everybody in, keep, keep everybody without having to lay off or furlough or anything. Now, when you're at home and you're laying it out, what are we going to do? We're going to lay out a written game plan. We're going to preserve cash. Uh, so why? Because we got to eat, buy food first, and then we're going to keep the lights on and the water first, second, and then we're going to pay the, the rent third. And, uh, we're going to worry about kids college later for goodness sake. So we're going to preserve and conserve cash and nobody accidentally does that. You do that with a written plan and the written plan just kind of looks at you and says, duh, here's what you should do. You know, Ryan and I often try to differentiate between essential items, non-essential items, and junk items. Essential items are, are the things that you're talking about. We need to be able to pay rent or our mortgage. We need, need to be able to have a, a, a roof over our heads. We, we need to be able to feed our kids. We need to have the electricity on. And, and then, of course, we you know, basic clothing, et cetera. We, we all have essential needs. And then there are non-essential needs that are – these are things that add value to our lives. And I think it's incredibly important to have those things when we can afford them 
them. I think the problem is most of us mistake the essential and non-essential things, the things that add value to our lives, with the junk in our lives. We've been marketed to to think that that brand new Lexus that costs ninety thousand dollars is going to bring me everlasting happiness. And and maybe in a time like this, it's a time to not just say, well, what is essential to me and and what adds value to my life, but what kind of junk have I been spending this money on? Why am, why am I broke at this point? It's because a lot of the things I thought were essential actually aren't. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, it, it is one of the good byproducts of going through this much societal stress, this much a strain at home is, you, you know, if it gets really ugly outside, you really start to, human beings are pretty smart about what's essential and mm. what's not and, and what's superfluous or junk. And, uh, but when everything's going really good, it's, it's more confusing. It's more blurry to some people. And, right. and they say things like I needed a new car. <laughs> no, you wanted a new car. You didn't need a new car. There's nothing wrong with getting a new car if you want to, and you've got the money, but it was not a need. And you really don't get to say that if you call the Dave Ramsey show, I'll call your butt out and go, it's not a need. Yeah. I don't mind you spending money on once. I spend money on once. I got some nice stuff, but I, none of it is a need. I mean, really there's food, there's shelter, there's utilities and basic transportation and some basic clothing. And that's your need. And most people got that covered. Even if, a, if they're furloughed, I mean, they really do because it, it, it doesn't take a lot to cover that. And you can go work a part-time job delivering pizzas right now if, if you got laid off, and you can cover the real needs. It's not to say it's how we want to live our life forever, but, you know, it, it just helps you get real centered on what's real. What do you think this is going to do to the housing market? Is this going to be good news for some folks? I don't think it's going to affect it substantially, um, except in areas where, we're, where folks are out of work for an extended period of time. Uh, I mean, if, if there's some hot spots around that may not go back to work for quite a while, and if they don't go, if that economy, that micro economy doesn't go back to work, it's going to affect that housing market. But overall, if, uh, your area you're listening to this right now and your area is back to work in a few weeks, um, uh, and, and you know, it, there's who knows whether that's true or not. I don't know. I don't know what these characters are going to do, but the faster we get back to work, the less it'll affect it, obviously. But uh, my supposition is is that most of America will be back to work quickly enough that it will slow the housing market, but it will not tank the prices. You know, one of the most controversial things I will often tell people is there's no such thing as good debt. And I know you echo that sentiment quite a bit, or maybe that's me echoing you. But we're, we're at a time right now where people might be either encouraged or at least they feel that it's necessary to to take on debt but can we can we talk about why that might not be a good idea even even in the time of a crisis well i mean especially in the time of a crisis you look up and see uh i mean the the people that don't have any debt right now and have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses have a completely different life situation than the people who are deeply in debt and don't have any money yeah. And, and they were the ones telling us all along that debt was okay. Debt was okay. Debt was okay. Uh, the problem is it's a destabilizer. It adds risk to your life and to your business. Uh, and the more of it you have, the more destabilized you are. And here we are in a situation where the wind starts blowing and the big bad wolf is huffing and puffing 
and sadly we're watching people with you know the ones that are in the straw house and the stick house is blown over and those that are in the brick house with no debt and an emergency fund are sitting pretty and so i would want to be that little pig that's in the brick house and uh not be running to the very thing that caused the problem for me in the first place it's like hey let's grab a hold of some concrete blocks we're drowning <laughs> you know I, I think the the only reason not the only reason but one of the main reasons that i'm i'm feeling calm throughout this time of anxiety is because I have a car, but I don't have a car payment. I have a house, but I don't have a house payment. I, I, I have essential payments like my utilities and, and food, but I don't have any, any debt. And I have a substantial emergency fund that I built up over the last decade or so. And of course, all of my, my retirement accounts are, are funded. But it wasn't always that way with me. When I was back in the corporate world making really, really good money, which there's nothing wrong with that. I spent even better money. And so ostensibly I looked like I had money, but man, I, I was absolutely broke and I was working really hard to buy things and, and to maintain a lifestyle that wasn't bringing me joy or happiness or contentment. And, and I guess what I'm looking for, for from you here is what is the message that you have of hope once we get out of this for people? Because I know you and your team over there at Ramsey Solutions, you, you've, been, you, you've been working hard to, to make sure people understand that there is hope on the other side of, of this crisis. Well, there is. I'm old and I've seen you know, 9-11 happened and the planes hit the towers. I, I watched Y2K happen before that. And both of these things were going to ruin our life as we knew it forever. Then 2008, 2007 hit and other miscellaneous calamities have come and gone. And, um, this too shall pass. It's a really tough time right now for a lot of folks. And I understand that. And I'm certainly not shaming anybody, not making fun of anybody for not being ready. But I went through a really tough time in the 80s when I lost everything in my 20s because I was stupid and I had borrowed too much money and there was a little SNL crisis and it caused the banking world to change and I lost everything I owned and I went bankrupt and had to start completely over with a brand new baby, a toddler and a marriage hanging on by a thread. So I know when, when, you know, when, when a storm comes and you've been stupid and it knocks everything over, I know how that feels. Uh, cause I got a PhD in DUMB. I know exactly what it looks like. So I'm not shaming anybody, but this is wake up call for a lot of people. Uh, like you said earlier that, you know, in America, we have the best looking, uh, most well-funded broke people on the planet. <laughs> you know, they're wearing stuff and carrying stuff and driving stuff and living in stuff that they can't afford. And they're, they're, and, and they're like a rat in a wheel. It just run, 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 get nowhere. There's no sense of peace. There's no sense of contentment. There's no sense of spiritual margin or emotional margin in their lives. It's just, everything is on a razor's edge. And then when the wind blows, you're screwed mm. and, and, and it blows all this stuff over and it, and then you just go, oh crud stuff is just stuff. And you know, he, with the most toys when he dies is dead, you know, I just, in the graveyard. You, you, you just, you never saw a rider truck fall in a hearse. You ain't taking it with you, baby. You know? And so it's it just, you start to, you know, when the wind blows like this, it helps you to get a little bit more philosophical, a little bit more spiritual on how you're looking at your life. And that's a good thing because uh, that's what happened with you, Joshua, when you went through that years ago. And the whole minimalist movement was started. And then you've guided other people to do that voluntarily. And then I went broke. And before that, you know, years ago, and, and 
obviously then I've guided people to stay out of debt because of that. And I've stayed out of debt and, to, and to have money saved. And when you got a pile of money and you don't have any debt, uh, and, and this stuff happens again, it changes everything when the wind blows. I think we go broke monetarily, but, but also that, that is almost this, this physical manifestation of, of this emotional brokenness and a spiritual brokenness. They're all, mm-hmm. they're all sort of tied together. They're not standing in separate corners of the room. And I think mm-hmm. what we, what, what we learn is when we integrate our lives, we start aligning our values with our actions and vice versa, that, then that life is a much more meaningful life. Exactly. And what does happen when you go through those uh, metamorphosis times, those times of transformation, is you have a series of never again moments. Mm. Never again am I going to be owned by stuff and clutter, you said. Mm-hmm. I said, never again is a bank going to call my house and question my character. If a bank calls my house, Joshua, it's a wrong number, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's a misdial, you know, it's never again. Do I want to talk to these people? Never again. Am I going to look at my wife and see that level of fear in her eyes? Uh, because we can't keep food on the table or lights and water turned on. And I got them turned off, man. And I babies, I was that guy. Never again. Do I want to be that guy? And so some folks in the midst of this storm, it's a horrible thing you're going through and I love you and I'm sorry and I'll walk with you and I'll help you, but make this for goodness sakes, make this your never again moment. I love it. I think it's a great place to end it, Dave. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you guys.